we will rejoice. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Hallelujah. So, beloved, we've been studying. Welcome, everybody, and welcome people who haven't been here before. I'd love to meet you. My husband and I would love to meet you afterwards. If, um, that would be awesome. Um, but anyway, we've been on uh, a journey discussing spiritual warfare. And so, of course, we've been going through Ephesians, and today we're going to be in chapter 5, continuing that discussion. Um, obviously, Christ is the master spiritual warfare person, isn't he? And if we just walk like him, we aren't going to have any issues, are we? As we emulate him, as we allow him to flow through us, as we follow him, our spiritual warfare is done, basically. But anyway, in chapter 4, Paul had just finished telling us to be sweet, to be sweet, y'all are sweet, toward one another, to be affectionate, and to be forgiving, just as Christ has forgiven us. Okay, if we follow those three, we're, we're going a long way, aren't we? So as we study Ephesians 5 today, I want you to keep in mind that this entire chapter is a picture of Christ and the church. Christ and the church. How believers walk as Christ and how we follow him. It is a picture of how we are to emulate Jesus, the head of the church. Who's the head of the church? Jesus. And you're the body. So in this, this is a picture of how we're supposed to walk. Okay. Everyone say that they love this next word coming up. <laughs> to sacrifice. Say, I love that word. I love that word, sacrifice. <laughs> to sacrifice, to accomplish his will, right? And in so doing, we truly are flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone. You all are going to get a big revelation at the end because he tells you that. So this is our spiritual warfare, and when we do things as Christ, victory is guaranteed. Victory is guaranteed. So, Paul starts this chapter, chapter 5, by explaining that if we walk in this way, the, the way that he's going to tell us to walk, if we walk in this way, that we are going to be imitators of God. Who wants to be an imitator of God as his child? Yeah, I want to be an imitator of God as his child, and you know what? He's shown you the way to do it. So, Think about this. Think about, have you ever seen, you know how little kids, they just want to do everything their daddy does, right? When they're little, especially little boys. Think about that. Think about how a little boy just, one of our boys just was like, from the, minute, the second he was born, was like stuck like glue to Ken. Like I couldn't comfort him, only Ken could comfort him. And as he grew, he just wanted everything that he saw dad do, he was going to do that. So be careful, dads. <laughs> he was going to do that. But honestly, the, the father of the home, the husband of the home, is the first image of Christ that your children have. 
And you moms are good images too, right? Because you love the Lord and you walk in his ways also. But anyway, so think about that, you know, and so that's what we want to do with our Father God, right? We want to do what he does. So anyway, Paul lines out four very distinct facets of our walk in Christ. And we're going to go through those four. So today, we're calling this, this learning session together, Walk the Walk. Okay? Walk the Walk. So the first thing that Paul says, he instructs us to walk in love. To walk in love. That is not a trite phrase. It takes effort on your part, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, you do it. So Ephesians 5.2, and for everyone, yeah, uh, that's not going to be the version I'm reading from. It would be better for you to read from the papers that you've been given, because this is the translation from the Aramaic. It's a lot richer, and that's what, we're gonna, that's what we've been using for all of Ephesians. So it says, And walk in love as the Messiah has loved us and handed himself over for our persons, the offering and sacrifice to God for a sweet fragrance. You know that when you walk in the love of the Lord, you are a sweet fragrance. You're a sweet fragrance to him and you're a sweet fragrance to those around you. Remember he said, be sweet, be sweet. So we, you will, I will, we will never make a sacrifice in love, in the love of God, for another person without it being a sweet fra- fragrance to him. You'll never do that. A sacrifice in the love of God to another person will always be a sweet fragrance to him. Matthew twenty-five forty, and this is in the NIV. The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Whatever you do for the least of these, you do for him. He notices, he notices, and he is pleased when you sacrifice self for another. The Greek word, I'm going to go through the Greek word, handed over, because here in the Aramaic it says handed himself over. Some translations say gave up, gave up. Well, the Greek word for that is paradidomi. And in Strong's, the meaning of that word is I hand over, I pledge, I hand down to deliver over, I commit, I commend I betray, I abandon. So you all kind of get the idea, but I want to look at two of those very specifically, betray and abandon. I want to think of those two words specifically, betray and abandon. And because sometimes for the cause of Christ, we must abandon and betray our own personal desires. Now, is the Lord going to bless you when you honor him and glorify him in that way? Of course he will. But so much focus has been on, this is a bless me, get me gospel. Okay? 
And there is a lot of sacrifice that is required. And you will always be blessed when you sacrifice for the cause of Christ. Always. You won't be able to stop the blessing. So sometimes it requires that that which we see to our own benefit, we must lay aside. We have to lay that aside sometimes. You know, in business, I want the best deal. I got to get the best deal. I got to make the most money, okay? (laughs) In, um, I want the best seat in the house. I want people, like in a team effort, I want the notoriety. I want people to know how much I did. Or just in life in general, I want people to notice me. I want people to know what I did. Have you ever, have you ever been around anyone who like, gives a whole list of everything they did that day? Well, okay, I hope you're happy with your list. You know? Because there's no heart in that. No, you see what I'm saying? There's no heart. There's no sacrifice. There's no giving in that. That's, that's, a get me, that's a get me gospel. Well, Jesus humbled himself unto death. Okay? He humbled himself unto death. None of us in this room knows right now everything that Jesus did for our benefit. We don't know that. We, 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 we can read a lot, and, and it was horrific, but we don't know even the all of it. Um, so Christ, he was both betrayed and abandoned. <coughs> Sorry if my voice is funny today. <coughs> we had so much fun at the fair yesterday. We handed out over 100 Bibles. If we'd had more, we would have probably given out close to 175 or 200 Bibles. Shared the word with people. It was so lovely. It was so lovely being able to share Jesus. It, there's nothing better in your life that you will ever do than share Jesus. But anyway, so I apologize about my voice because by the end of the day, I was really hoarse. But Christ both betrayed, Christ was both betrayed and abandoned by others, okay? At the most crucial point, at the most crucial point in that walk to the cross, Judas betrayed him for a few bits of money, right? His disciples, whom he'd asked to pray for him, could not even pray for an hour. They abandoned him. How difficult is it to pray for an hour? Three times he said to them, can you not pray? for an hour with me, for me, okay? So he was abandoned by his disciples. They couldn't even commit to the sacrifice of prayer. They kept falling asleep. Don't fall asleep. Awake, arise. At that very same pivotal point, Christ himself, Christ himself had to abandon and betray his, he came to earth as a man, correct? He had to betray some personal desires, I'm sure. Do you think that? Yeah, I think he probably did. He, he had to abandon and betray some of his own desires. He had to choose 
Well, he didn't have to, but he did choose. He chose the will of God, not his own will, right? So think alone. Let's just think alone of just the physical desire to live. Just think of that alone. Think alone of the desire to feel no pain. I don't, I don't, do you, do you guys ever want to feel pain, emotional or physical? No, I don't. So think about that. Think about the fact that he had abandoned his place in heaven. Perfection. The glory of God. Nothing better, nothing could ever be better than that union with the Father. And he chose to abandon that and come here for us. Okay, is that a sacrifice? Yeah, that's a sacrifice, I'd say. Think of the fact that he had to betray himself and abandon his own desires for notoriety, for fame and fortune. He, he was spat upon. He was ridiculed. He was scoffed at. Did it change what he chose to do for us? No, it didn't change. No, he abandoned that need for, hey, aren't you guys seeing what I'm doing here? Aren't, don't you realize what I'm doing for you? Can I get a little credit here? Y you know what I'm saying? He abandoned all of that. And we know that he felt emotion. Don't just think that he was some you know, super, because it says he, he was moved with compassion for others. He felt emotion. He said, you know, he, he sweat blood. He sweat blood. Have ever any of you gotten to the point that you were sacrificing so much that you sweat blood? And yet, he, what did he say? He said, if you can take this cup from me, but not my will, yours. Right? Okay. So that's kind of the picture of our Jesus. Okay? So the scripture says he gave up himself. He gave up himself. He gave everything, everything, everything of himself for us. Lord, I can... I, I, I can I can barely imagine what that was like. For our sakes, for our eternal good, shall we quibble, shall we quibble, shall we quibble when we give up some instant pleasures in life, and in reality, many times they're only going to harm us anyway, for the sake of Christ for the sake of another. Okay, Ephesians 5, 3 through 4. Paul <coughs> mentions several things that are useless to us. <coughs> but fornication, all impurity, and greed are not even to be named at all among you, as is appropriate for holy ones. Who are the holy ones? We started at the beginning of the book. You know who the holy ones are, the believers in Christ. 
neither abusive language, neither worthless words, nor of disgrace, nor of nonsense. These things that are unnecessary, but in place of these, thanksgiving. Do you notice that every one of those from abusive language, well, even, uh, yeah, from abusive language on down are all your words? How important do you think that the Lord thinks that your words are? If we line our words up with the scripture, we won't have this problem. <laughs> it's, a very, it's a very simple thing to fix, you know? So this, this isn't even truly a sacrifice. It's for our own good. And unless we subject our flesh and walk in this way, we will live very unfulfilled lives. But rather, he's given us a way to live fulfilled lives in his love. These listed evils keep us from walking in the fullness of the kingdom of God. Now, does that mean you're not going to go to heaven if, you do, if, if these things occur? No. But you will pass up opportunities to walk in the fullness of the kingdom of God here on earth. Does that make sense? It is not your sin that keeps you out of heaven. Because every single one of us sin. Right? But we repent. He's given us mercy. We repent. We get back on track. But that sin will keep you from experiencing the fullness of everything that the Lord has for you here. And believe me, that's a lot. The fullness of Christ. We, we, we talk about that all the time in this church. Ephesians 5, 5 through 7. You have known this, that no person who is a fornicator or impure or a greedy person who is an idol worshiper, because what is greed, honestly? It's, it's, it's worshiping your own your own being, your own need, and putting that above God, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Messiah and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for it is because of these things the anger of God comes on the children of disobedience. Now you are not a child of disobedience. You are, once you're saved, once you're born again, once you've received Jesus Christ into your life as Savior and Lord, Savior and Lord, you are the beloved. You are accepted into the beloved. You, Paul calls you saints, okay? You should not, therefore, be partners with them, okay? In other words, we don't want to act like the world. Do we want to love the world? Yes, we love the world. We love the world. But light is separate from darkness. And when we say darkness, you're not being hateful or mean to the world. We have to recognize things in order to be the light that we are meant to be to draw people out of darkness, to shed light on darkness for eternal salvation for every person. You know, and for redemption from difficult situations in this life. You will be a light when, when people are struggling because you have the word. So we want to show ourselves to be different. We want to set an example. A very good thing to do in, in almost every situation is to say, is this going to show Christ? If I choose this, these words, 
if I choose this action, am I going to be Christ to that person? Am I going to be a help? Am I going to be a hope? Am I going to be an edifier, a lifter up of their heads? Because Christ is that to you, right? Right. Okay, so that's a really good way to approach it when we make choices about how to treat other people. And in so doing, then we are walking in the love of God that he's given us, and then we are offering it to other people. Okay? Secondly, so first he says walk in love. That's the love of God to you, and then you share it. Secondly, Paul says, walk as children of light. Okay, now this is really, really powerful here. I want you to pay attention. It says, you were formerly, formerly darkness. That's before you were saved, before you're born again. But now you are light in the Lord. You are light in the Lord. It does not say <coughs> you were formerly in darkness. <coughs> it says you were formerly darkness. Whether you like to think about that or not, that's what the scripture says. And it does not say now you are in the light. It says you are the light. You are the light. You guys, this is not just a metaphor. This is not just a metaphor. You are light. You are light. When, when you're born again, God's very spirit transforms your spirit into his light. Why do you think when you walk up <clears throat> to a Christian, a spirit-filled Christian, and you just see a light in their eye? That's a reflection of Jesus in them. That's a reflection of the transformation of what has happened in that person. You have been transformed. You are a new being. You are a whole new creation. You are not just the old covered up. You are light, and we are meant to share that light. We must walk demonstrating that light if we are to be Christ to the world. The true church demonstrating the very being of Christ. Did you hear me say the very being? The very being of Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The scripture tells us that he gave us the same glory that God gave him. Same. It uses the word same. Okay. Verse 9 and 10 tell us, distinguish what is pleasing before our Lord. And then it tells us to walk in the fruit of the light that we are. Verse 9 says, for the fruits of the light are in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. That's the fruit that we walk in. So given that we 
our light, his light, that is in our inherent purpose, our inherent, the inherent definition of who you are, you are meant to stand apart, to reveal, to correct, to expose darkness, and to offer the fruit of redemption. You've been redeemed at a great price, and we offer that redemption through the light that we are in Jesus to other people. And it is not your spot to judge that person. It is your spot to love that person because Jesus loved you regardless of how much sin you were in. He never did not love you. He never will not love you. And we are to offer that same love to others. It does not mean you agree with sin. It does not mean that you subject yourself to ungodly behavior. But no person is your enemy. The demons motivating bad choices and the demons motivating sin are the enemy. Not the person. Okay. So light it stands apart from darkness, and in reality, it, it cannot mingle. It's, it's impossible. It's absolutely impossible for darkness and light to mingle together because when the light comes in, the darkness is evaporated. The darkness totally disappears. You, you know, when you turn the light on, you don't just sort of see darkness evading. It's light or dark. It, it, it just pushes it out altogether. Okay, so verse 11 through 13. Neither should you fellowship with the servants of darkness because they have no fruit in them, but you should rebuke them for the thing that they do in secret is an abomination to mention. For all things are corrected by the light. Beloved, <clears throat> it is the light that will rebuke. It is the light that will correct. It is not you hitting somebody over the head and telling them what an awful, wretched sinner they are. It is showing the way as Christ showed the way. That's why he goes through this whole chapter and he tells us how to behave, how to allow the Holy Spirit to motivate us to walk as Christ walked. <clears throat> and everything that reveals is light. Ephesians 5.14, therefore it is said, awake you who sleep and arise from among the dead and the Messiah will illuminate you. I absolutely love that verse. You, oh, get excited guys, because you truly are illuminated of God. You are the light. You are the illumination of Jesus. You are the illumination of his love. You are illuminated. And the world needs you. Illuminate. It is, it, it, when you're illuminated, think about, think about it's, it's light coming from within. Do you want me to tell you about what I saw in heaven? Okay, so remember the rock? 
when I was in heaven and I was laying on that rock? Okay, do you ever think about rock as being illuminated? Come on, guys. From the inside out. That rock had light coming. It was like solid and transparent and illuminated from the inside all at once. It was like solid as solid could be. The rock of the word, Jesus Christ. You couldn't tear it down. You knew it was strong and was standing and was not going to be moved. But from the inside, you still saw this light, like this transparency. Now, that doesn't even go together in our brains, does it? No, that doesn't match. But it's the truth. And that's how you are. That's how you are. That's how we're meant to be to people around us. We are meant to throw light on obscure issues. We are meant to throw light on the difficulties. We are meant to throw light on the pain. Don't get bored on me. If, if we catch hold of this, if you catch hold of this, if you catch hold of this, you will be the Holy Spirit answer to every situation that you come into contact with, with which you come into contact. And that's how we're meant to live. We are meant to live that way every day. Not just when we feel good. Okay, next, thirdly, Paul says, walk honorably, not as fools, but as the wise. So he's just told us that he's given us the means to do what we need to do for him because we are the light and that we're illuminated by him and we illustrate his light and we throw light on obscure subjects and difficult situations in life. And, when we, and then he says, okay, so walk as the wise honorably. Walk honorably in Christ. So this is the way, next it says in verse 16, this is the way that we will redeem our opportunities in the evil days. Okay. Are we in evil days? Is there anyone in this room who thinks we're not in evil days? Good. Y'all are awake. Well, it really wouldn't take too much to awaken someone unto that these days. But anyway. So, if you want to redeem your opportunity in the day of evil. We all want to do that. Do you want to redeem every opportunity in the evil day? Every opportunity for the glory of the God? Every opportunity for him to save others, to help others, to encourage others, to edify others? Okay, if you want, and he says, basically when it says redeem your opportunity, it means snatch somebody out of the hand of the devil. That's what it means if you want to get down to it. Snatch him out of the darkness just like you were snatched out of the darkness. And he says that we can turn those opportunities into good for him. To take seemingly unproductive, harmful situations, evil situations, and come out with victory on the other side. For you and for others. Okay, so he says, 
Paul says in verse 17, don't be stupid regarding knowing the will of God. Don't be stupid regarding knowing the will of God. So when we walk in the light, when we're listening to Holy Spirit, when we're listening to the Spirit of God, we will not walk stupidly. And he's given us really this this great manual right here. So that we can know his will and we won't walk stupidly. The Holy Spirit is what? It's the spirit of truth. It's the spirit of truth. It is the testimony of Jesus to you. Okay? So, you have a counselor here. You have the Holy Spirit. Your teacher and your good counselor. Your wisdom for life. You have not been left as orphans. So Paul also says that we should teach ourselves, that we should instruct ourselves with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God, and to give thanks for the sake of every person in the name of Jesus. Wow. Now, there's a lot in that verse. So first, we're supposed to build ourselves up in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God, giving thanks, right? We, in, we, we want to encourage, build yourself up on your most holy faith. Encourage yourself in the word. Know the word. It will lift you. It, it is the hope of your life. Okay? So, and then get this. Then he's, okay, so you do that first. How can you, for instance, let me just give you a little example maybe. If the vessel is empty, how can you give another person a drink? Right? So you need to take care of the house. You need to be in the Word. Pray in the Spirit. Decree the Word in your life. Okay, but then get this. He says, in the name of Jesus, we give thanks for the sake of every person. So we're going to look, that's a, that it is such a critical um, concept right there. Because if something is for the sake of another person, it is basically a sacrifice. You're doing it for their sake, as Jesus died for our sake, and it is a recognition of the value of that other person. It is, if you do something for someone else's sake, you are valuing them. You are saying you are valuable because you are valuable to God. You are valuable valuable to me. I don't care if you don't have any money. I don't care what your clothes look like. I don't care if you're homeless. I don't, you know, I don't care if you're always walking around, you know, depressed or anxious or whatever. You have value. What did we study grace to be? Remember, it was bestowing virtue beyond the common. Remember that? We must see virtue beyond the common in every person. We must see that. We see people the way that God sees us, and we are thankful. So we are meant to live this way because God values every person 
and we are meant for their sake to, to be concerned for their sake, not just our own. Whether that is for their salvation, whether that is for their discipleship, whether that is just for their encouragement when they face challenges in life. Isn't that what you want someone to do for you? Yes. You are not your own brothers and sisters. You are not your own. We walk around in this earth like we're, we're all that. Honestly, we don't even want people to see us. We want people to see Christ. I don't even want people to come into this church and, and see me as a preacher. I want them to see Jesus loving them. That's what I want. I just want people to come and see Jesus loving, to feel Jesus loving them. So 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Uh, I didn't give this to you in the Aramaic, but I'm going to read it from the Aramaic. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the spirit of holiness who dwells within you, whom you have received from God, and you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price. Be glorifying God with your body and with your spirit, which are God's. Now, if we just walk around doing that all day, you know what? We won't have any issues. We won't. And we just call on him to be our strength and weakness to help us do that because he is our strength when we are weak. Fourthly, the fourth thing that Paul talks about here in Ephesians 5.21, he says, be subject to one another in the love of the Messiah. Be subject to one another in the love of the Messiah. So that's the love of the Messiah. It is critical that you know how much he loves you. Because unless you know how much he loves you first, you can't really give it out. So it is both you knowing how precious you are to him, that he loves you so much, and then you give that love out to others. Because Christ loved us, he became subject unto death to minister to you, to your needs, to your eternal life, to your kingdom living here on earth. In likeness to that, we must be subject one to another for the sake of demonstrating him, for the sake of demonstrating his love. Now, that doesn't mean you're a doormat, okay? We've gone through all that. I'm not going to repeat all that today. But the entirety of Ephesians 5 is basically an instruction manual. Of course, don't look at it like just instructions for life, okay? Like, look at it as Holy Spirit inspired, that the Holy Spirit is the water, the river, that the anointing, the oil that helps you do this, Okay? So we're supposed to be subject to one another and to live as the light, as we are the light, and as we then become Christ to the world. So we get rid of the junk inside of us so that we let that light shine. So these verses explain, we're going to go through the rest of these verses, and they explain through the example of a husband and wife and through the example of Christ as the head of the church, 
and the church as the bride of Christ. Do you want to be a spotless bride of Christ? Yes, holy and spotless. We are all subject to Christ as our head, first and foremost. You are subject to Christ as your head. We live subject to him so that we can be the illumination in order to transform the world and rescue it from darkness. That's the only way to accomplish that. And believe me, he has a big end time harvest that he needs you, he needs you to bring it in. Because it's going to get a lot darker before the tribulation. You don't have to worry, you'll be gone, but you, for the sake of others, you, you want as many saved as possible. Uh, you know. So as believers... As believers, you are flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone. What does he say about a bride? What does he say about husband and wife? That they become one flesh. I take that literally. And you need to think about the fact that you are flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone. Because that is who he has created you to be. You are the bride of Christ as the church, as the believer. We have become one flesh with him, united with him, him in us, according to scripture. I am his flesh and bone. I now have the same job to do that he did. Okay? So we are to live for the eternal good of one another. As a husband is to love his wife, we're going to go through both examples. As a husband is to love his wife just as Christ loves his bride, the church. Just as. The same. That's a tall order, but you can do it. You can do it. I know you can. Giving of yourself... For the sake of another, Paul has just instructed us, so the husband lives a, say I love the word, sacrificial. Say that. Love it. Love it. The husband lives a sacrificial life, loving his wife in the same manner, with the same intent and actions as Christ. Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wives as the Messiah also loves his church and gave himself up for her sake. To sanctify and purify her in the washing of water and in the word. In the word. And he shall establish the church for himself, hallelujah, that thought alone brings me so much joy that we are established for him. Wow, that is so exciting. And he shall establish the church for himself without blemish or wrinkle, neither any such things whatsoever, but it will be holy and without defect. Oh, beloved. Do you see you here? 
Do you see how the Lord sees you? Do you see your destiny? That is so awesome. In this way, men ought to love their wives as their bodies. Whoever loves his wife loves himself. For no man ever hated his own body, but he nourishes and cares for his own, just as the Messiah does also for his church. You nourish and care for your own. So Christ came, and he is the word, and he tells husbands to, in the word, it says here, to sanctify and purify her in the washing of water and in the word. Now let me tell you, if you just go off and pray somewhere, that's great. But if you want to nourish and care for your wife in the word, you're going to have to pray over her and pray with her. Do not leave it up to her imagination what you are off someday praying over her. That's good, but it's not sufficient. She needs you to pray with her, over her, so she can hear your heart. Do we want to hear God's heart? Yes, we want to hear God's heart. God uses the word. And you need to speak the word with your wife. Okay. They are to love their wives as themselves. Paul uses this example, I think, they are to love their husbands as their wives. So he's using this example because he understands that certainly people know how to love themselves. That's not something anybody in this room has ever had to be taught, okay? You know how to do things to benefit yourself. But that, that ain't the goal, <laughs> beloved. You know, that's not your purpose. <laughs> so he is telling husbands to live for the benefit of their wives as Christ loves and gave himself up for, for our benefit. He abandoned himself. He betrayed himself, right? His earth, some, you know, desires. So in loving their wives, men are loving themselves, bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh, one together. Right? One flesh. Now, believers are also supposed to revere and honor Christ, right? Are you to revere and honor Christ as the head? Yes. So in this part, he uses wives. He uses the example of wives. And he says, he uses the example saying that they are to respect and honor their husbands in the same way. Right? Verse 22. Wives, be subject to your husbands as to our Lord, because the man is the head of the woman, just as the Messiah is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. But just as the church is subject to the Messiah, in this way also wives are, are to their hu husbands in all things. We cannot live in oneness, bone of bone, flesh of flesh, with our husbands without revering and honoring them. 
If you don't want to respect and revere and honor your husband, then why did you marry him to begin with? We should all live in mutual respect and mutual love with one another. If you don't want to do what the scripture says, then don't get married. Just go off and do your own thing and be your own little, you know, I don't know. But, well, use your individual life then to honor God. But if you're not willing to do what the scripture says, then, then don't be married. We cannot, I respect my husband. I don't always agree with my husband. I respect the way in which he cares for our family. I respect the way, appreciate the way that he cares for me. As Christ is his head, as Christ is his head, I value his willingness to care and love for us, his family. I see the sacrifices he makes. You know, you'll go a long way just probably just noticing when someone, don't make, don't make them necessarily tell you what, how they've sacrificed, but then go ahead and notice it. You know, it's a good thing. It's Thanksgiving in your heart, right? So when Paul said, live subject to one another, okay, that's how he started this. Live subject to one another. This is what he's talking about. He's talking about loving, respecting, honoring, revering each other. Wives and husbands, wives and husbands both, does this mean that you love, honor, revere, or live subject to behavior that is ungodly? That was a question. Does it mean that you live, that you love, respect, revere, live subject to ungodly behavior? Does it mean that? No, because first and foremost, all of us are subject to Christ. So we still all have to look back, just, you know, go look back at verses 3 through 7 and 9 through 13. And if those behaviors are occurring, you're not required to be subject to that because it's stuff you're not supposed to be doing, right? So abuse is not, is not either way, male to female, female to male, whether that's in word or physical or whatever, abuse is not acceptable. You get out of that situation. You work through that situation. When difficulties come up, does it mean that you blindly agree? No. Did God give you a brain? Does the Holy Spirit talk to you? If the Holy Spirit rises up in you and says, I don't have a good feeling about this. This is not the way we are to go. The husband and wife are supposed to come together and discuss that out. Does that make sense? Yeah. We're supposed to work together and and work through those things. I appreciate that my husband respects my brain. So Paul ends the chapter <clears throat> with this great culmination of why we are called to this walk. To live like this, to, to walk this walk, basically. Verse 30. Because we are members of his body. Get that? 
and we are of his flesh and of his bones. Therefore, a man should leave, a man should leave his father and his mother and should cleave to his wife and the two of them shall be one flesh. Okay, that is a picture of husband and wife. It is a picture of church and Jesus. Did you ever think about the fact that you are flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone? That is not a metaphor. That is not a metaphor. It is who you are. This is a great mystery. You cannot try to understand this with your brain. This is Holy Spirit receiving what Christ has created you to be. One with him. One flesh. The veil torn. But I am speaking about the Messiah and about his church. Moreover, you also, every one of you, should in this way love his wife as himself, but the woman should revere her husband. So we need to realize that this is (coughs) telling us that we as believers, as the light of Christ, as the illumination of Christ in this world, we are his flesh, we are his bone, we are his body, we are his substance, we are his essence, we are his being here for his glory and his glory alone. And don't say this is too much to be true. This is a big gospel. This is the way he planned it. This is the way he wanted it. And we all need to recognize it so that we can accomplish what it is that his heart desires. So, in his love for you, this is a gift that he has given you oneness with him, And in our love for him, this is a gift that then we give out to others. Got that? All right. That's what the Lord told me to share today. So that's what what we're sharing together today. And we are going to take communion. We have open communion for any believer in Christ. If you are not a believer in Christ, but would love to be a believer in Christ, you can repeat this after me or with me and all the church together. Dear Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you for coming to save me. I believe that you are the Son of God, that you went to the cross for me, that you died, and that you rose again so that I could walk with you eternally. I thank you for filling me with your Holy Spirit. For anything that I have done that has displeased you, Lord, I repent and I know that you will help me turn and walk in ways pleasing to you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. All right, so we have open communion. Any believer in Christ? Why do we take communion? We take communion to remember what Christ has done. We also believe that this is a healing meal. 
We are healed by his stripes and his, the shedding of his blood gives us his mercy. So dear Lord, we thank you. We thank you for walking that walk to the cross. You didn't have to, but you chose to on our behalf. Nobody took your life. You gave it for us freely. You chose to die And the Lord raised you again so that we could live eternally with you. And we thank you that according to the scripture, that by every stripe you took, that we are healed. In Jesus' name. And Lord, we thank you that you chose to pour out your blood for us that we could be forgiven. Thank you, Lord, that you poured it out willingly. Your life was not taken. And that you poured it on the mercy seat. And because of what you done, we, what you did, we are now seated at the right hand of the Father with you. Praise you, thank you, in Jesus' name. All right, beloved, we're going to receive our tithes and our offerings. Remember that for the tithe, the scripture in Malachi 3 says that he rebukes the devourer on your behalf. Okay? So, Lord, we come to you with our tithes, and we offer them as an act of worship and as an act of obedience unto you, Lord. We thank you that you rebuke the devourer on our behalf. And for the offering, Lord, we come with thankful hearts. We are cheerful givers. And we thank you, Lord, that we receive a harvest pressed down, shaken together, and running over. We praise you for that. And now we pray that every seed planted into this ministry is used to glorify you, God according to your specific direction, that we follow you exactly in how you would have us scatter your seed. In Jesus' mighty name. And I thank you, Lord, that you bless every person, every family represented. Lord, I thank you that you have given us eyes to see and ears to hear. May we receive greater and greater revelation of your word and your truth by the Holy Spirit. I thank you that you go before, behind, above, below, to the left and to the right of every person, Lord God. And I thank you that you are a voice speaking to them. Whether they turn to the left or the right, you say, this is the way, walk in it, and we hear you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. All right, beloved, I love you. I want to thank all the people. Caring Closet had a wonderful ministry Saturday. All the people who set up and all the people who were here to give out. That's a free ministry.